Hi, Collectuals. Welcome back to another episode. I'm joined here by my co-host, Rufan. What's up, Rufan? How are you? Jay, what's going on? I'm good, man. Uh, nothing crazy to report apart from a broken thumb. <laughs> 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 then, you know, love of the game. We do this podcast all about cricket and i uh, went out to you know show my skills after a lot of frustration from pakistan australia test <laughs> and uh i try to be a hero like shadab khan <laughs> and try to take a catch and hit me straight my thumb and you saw it <clears throat> oh it, man dislocated but i'm good man i'm all band-aid up and uh not in pain whatsoever so it's just gonna take time to heal good luck and feel better man yeah sometimes uh you know watching cricket you feel like uh you can do the same thing <laughs> <laughs> and you might forget uh, where you are in life and how and old you are yes definitely <laughs> my um, wife has been asking me oh you've been talking about cricket a lot you've been thinking about cricket a lot why don't you go play and i'm like well first of all i don't i don't know anybody here i feel kind of weird going and making friends you know through a cricket field which i guess is normal for most people but i feel nervous about it I feel like I'm going to be horrible playing <laughs> and they're going to hate me. Uh, but also, secondly, fitness-wise, it's like, uh, you know, it's been a while. It's been a long time. Used to be, you know, playing a lot, but it's been so long that I haven't really uh, maintained any kind of fitness level. And I, I'm scared to kind of go in and then not be able to do anything and just come back angry or upset <laughs> with myself. <laughs> You just got to have uh, fun, man. I uh, learned it the hard way. You just don't have to be a hero or <laughs> John T. Rhodes or anything like that. It's just, uh, it takes time, yeah. But we're never going to be at the level we were back when we were in, in our 20s. And we played a lot of cricket, me and you, indoor. And we enjoyed it. And we were crazy. We were throwing our bodies at every ball that came our <laughs> way. But I tell you what, man, now if you dive... You stay there for a while. <laughs> it's hard to get up. Getting back up right there is a is a problem. We never thought we'd reach that age anytime soon, but uh, it's we happening. Have. <laughs> we have. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> well, man, what's happening with the the cricket world of Pakistan? We had the first uh, game that came to its conclusion: Pakistan versus Australia, first Test match in Rawalpindi. Uh, what's your reaction? I don't know what to say. We made a big deal out of this series, Australia coming in after almost 30 years. And we're talking about these uh, new grounds, new pitches, and what a total waste of time, to be honest. Uh, I was actually rooting for Australia when Pakistan was batting because I was seeing no action from the bowling end. It was not a battle, to be honest. It was just uh, who can last longer. When, while they bat. So it was just test of patience, really, and not any skill. And that's how I felt. Yeah, maybe Australia got out out of frustration <laughs> because nothing was happening. Um, yeah, I had a similar reaction, and I do feel there are some positives to take out from it. I wonder how you feel about some of the good things that we saw. But some things that, uh, you know, stuck out to me are, one, the batting partnership that kind of started uh, both with Abdullah Shafiq and Imamul Haq and then Imamul Haq and Azhar Ali in the first innings and that was really nice to see. I mean Azhar Ali we know can always anchor in innings and he really comes in to stay and he stays and he plays his cricket nice and slow. He, he in no rush. <laughs> so that's that's that and that usually is what we need and you know he seems to be providing that still. So that's really that was nice to see he scored 100. Then Imam al-Haq uh, setting a record, 
Um, he scored 100 both in the first and the second innings, and that was nice. I would I really wanted to see Imam score double. When we previewed this series, and I made a little video about you know the different venues that we put on YouTube. In that video, we were going over the teams and. You know, I said I really hope Imam shines in this one because this is it for him. Um, a lot of people have talked a lot about him being a Perchi player. You know, he's got the Perchi gets from his uncle or whatever. He's got connections. That's why he makes it to the team. So there's a lot of that kind of speculation out there. And he kind of proved the haters uh, wrong in this series. He did score those 200s against a very capable Australian side. Yes, dead wicket. Um, it wasn't meant to help the bowlers out. It wasn't meant to get anybody out, it looked like. You got out if you were just, you know, being stupid. That's how you got <laughs> out. Um, and one of the things that I'd like to see better from him is a real, um, real tough, you know, clean innings. He got a few chances um, in both of his yeah. innings, which, uh, which is something that, you know, it's like a little blemish on his uh, 200s, but still, you don't score that much, man, that easily, no matter the side that you're facing, right? That's, that kind of an innings requires a lot of patience, fitness, stamina, also concentration at a different level. So, And, uh, and Australia was not trying to let him make 100 either, obviously. You know, they attacked him in so many ways. So that was kind of cool to see. So I'm proud of uh, Imam's innings. I'm glad he, he got two of those in, and he's kind of cemented his place in the test team now. So it's good. We need a left-handed batsman, and there he is. Um, and then Abdullah Shafiq's 100 in the second inning. That was nice. I thought he was going to score 100 in the first one too. He just got greedy at 49. I think he wanted to like go for a boundary to, to, to get his 50 or something like that. Like you said, man, don't try to be a hero. Um, and I think that's what cost him, and that's his inexperience, but I think he learned from that, he showed he learned from that, and then the next one he showed a lot more patience. So those couple of highlights were really good, and finally I'll wrap up with this, that you know the Pakistani side did get Australia out, all 10 players. That was good to see that they're capable, even on a dead wicket, to get the Australians out. And um, that's promising. So hopefully for the next series, the wicket's a little bit better, uh, more prone to a result. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see uh, if Pakistan can repeat this. And especially when we're getting some of our strike bowlers coming back. Uh, Fahim Ashraf just got a negative test, so he's supposed to be coming back. Hassan Ali, I don't know much about still. I don't know if you've heard anything, but... With their addition, hopefully the side only gets stronger. Oh, and I forgot to mention Noman Ali's six wickets. That was nice to see. I mean, you know, a spinner that's not talked about a lot, but he came in and did his thing. So I think a lot of positives to take out for Pakistan. Uh, what wasn't in their control, I guess, was the makeup of the pitch, and that is what it is. But besides that, good confidence-building kind of performance. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, out of the goods, we did uh, post four centuries altogether, and Australia had none. Osman Khwaja, unfortunately, got out of 97. I would have liked him to score his century at the birthplace yeah. where he was born in Islamabad. And uh, then we had another 90. Tactics were good. Obviously, we did try to get him out, and we did get all 10 wickets. 
And uh, I don't know if you saw Rizvan. He was very animated. Uh, as far as skill level is concerned, he was definitely placing himself at the right position and asking the bowlers to bowl certain balls. And that's how he got Smith out. He kept on hitting uh, sweeps mm. on the leg side and he moved to the leg side and told the bowler to bowl there over and over again until they got him. He nicked it. So, yeah, mm -hmm. strategy-wise, we did good, but the pitch did not really favor us. And when you look at the high scores like that, uh, 476, four declared, and then Australia closed at, what, 460, something like that, really close to it. The run rate was really uh, slow in the first innings, and people were complaining about that. You know, if you have a pitch that's favoring everybody, I think in that condition you need to, especially if you have time and wickets in hand, you just get your 100, move on, and, you know, if you're struggling, you need to get faster, aggressive batsmen in. Um, I think the score should have been easily 550, and it should have been done in less than two days to have some type of competition. And as you saw, it went all the way to day five, and they basically shook hands at the end and said, okay, it's a draw, and that doesn't happen that often. So we had no chance on day five, and there was rain in between too. But uh, Lee's favorite thing that everybody complained about, and so did ICC, is below average pitch. And uh, we had enough time to prepare a better pitch. And when you talk about pitches, that drop-in pitch idea sounds really silly. <laughs> we can't even drop a Lahore pitch into Pindi. <laughs> it's like where you spend... It's, I know it's different conditions, but my point is, we talked about this. It's a great idea, dropping pitches, but the longevity of these pitches, right? The real work, I know it's hard to get soil from another country, <clears throat> transport that to another nation and drop it and, you know, maintain it. But under different weather conditions, that's where the hard work comes in. How long are we going to be able to maintain that and keep it like an Australian pitch or English pitch? And if you're going to spend that much money to maintain there's going to be a lot of soil experts, right, involved. My feeling is we could have done that with less money. I'm sure there's an area in Pakistan that has the same condition as Australia, whether Melbourne, Sydney, bring soil from there and spend money on the soil experts to make sure it reacts the same way as Australian pitches. So so I don't know. I, I think before we get the drop-in pitches, we need to fix the ones we have at home and this was frustrating for me at least because this was a, such a high profile match and the whole world is watching us it's a historic event and I, I i thought it could have been better than what we saw i feel you know equally frustrated about that so there's two things that i feel like we should discuss in terms of what went wrong obviously the pitch and the other thing was i don't know the strategy of playing as slow as the Pakistani team played on such a pitch was also beyond me. Um, you know, they batted out the whole first day, and I think they made something close to, like, um, 260 or, or something like that. And, you know, on the next day, you know, I was thinking they would at least score 300. Now they, they have two settled batsmen, you know, scoring centuries, and you're setting a total for them that was like 400, I think 64 or something they ended up with, but in the end, to me, that felt like a low total, and it felt like, again, that they were kind of going for maybe a draw even at that point, because that sort of total, like, wouldn't allow them to put Australia into bat twice, 
they needed like a 500 kind of a total so that they could pull out Australia once and then put them in again and try to pull them out a second time within the you know first inning total that they set. So I was a little bit disappointed in the way they batted. They had so many wickets in hand, Pakistan should have gone in the attack mode and piled up the runs, but they didn't. So I was surprised about that. I, well, I didn't like that. Now, to come back to the pitch, I feel like this one goes squarely on uh, Ramiz Raja. I think he made a statement, by the way. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to it. But he put out a video. In the video, he talks about you know the whole pitch issue. And um, apparently, he heard about it. <laughs> How could you not? Everybody's talking about it. So he decided to respond. So first of all, you know, respect to Ramiz for coming out and actually addressing he's a good uh, chairman to have. I think so far he's done really well. I think this is his first blunder. I think this one he has to take um, and accept as as L because, and I don't think he is. I don't think he is taking it, so I'm, I'm kind of concerned about that. I don't like that. I don't like that he didn't really take responsibility because he made it sound like this was intentional and he made it sound like this is what we should have done because we didn't have our lead strike bowlers because they succumbed to injury and COVID. So referring to obviously, you know, the three players that we lost out and, you know, he's like, oh, you know, we didn't want to make a pitch that was going to benefit the Australians. They have quality pace bowling. So we obviously want to make a pitch that benefits us. So we made one that is, you know, helpful to the spinners. Lame. Yeah. Admission to something you don't want to admit. No. You want to keep the game fair. And this is what we criticize. We criticize our neighbors for that. Well, Bangladesh, India, and now we're going to do that and we openly admit something like that. That was definitely not Ramiz Raja-like type of response. And he has a glib of a tongue, always has right exactly. things to say, but this was really, really poor uh, standard when it comes to that. And admitting to something like that is just feels like a cheat to me. Not only that, it feels like we're scared of Australia. Because it's like, oh, well, we lost two players, so now we're scared. Oh, we, we're going to lose, so let, we should have a pitch that really does not benefit them at all and in the process you're saying also that you don't have any confidence in your own bowlers like you have Shane Shafridi still right you have Nassim Shah still um, and you're basically saying that no we don't want to put everything on them why not you know they're, they're world-class bowlers and Noman Ali showed in this kind of a pitch what he could do imagine if there was help in it um, so yeah. that to me that response was really not taking responsibility, actually defending the thing instead of saying all he had to do, in my opinion, was say, look, we screwed up. This is not what it should have been. So next time you'll see a better pitch. That's all he had to say. But he went into this whole thing about trying to defend it, which I'm like, yo, you, you don't have to do that. You're you're a smart person and you people like you because you have been honest up to this point. Don't try to insult our intelligence and come out here and try to actually rationalize this thing when everybody around the world can clearly see that this wasn't right. And then you're going to come out and try to defend that. Your one item ticket that you ran on is pitches. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're talking about pitch, pitch, pitch this whole time. And the first pitch that we got for a world-class series, you screwed up and you're actually defending it. And going back to his statement, first of all, you want your challenger 
or your opponent to have fun and have yeah. a match of their life. They want competition. They don't want bad pitches or tennis balls to play with or anything like that. That's what it felt like. We were playing with tape ball cricket. When Australia invites any team to their country, they're not expecting mm-hmm. a straight sweep. They are expecting a competition. And Pakistan didn't do well in past few years, and they almost, you know, one of the commentators, he said, uh, we shouldn't invite Pakistan anymore because yeah. we're not getting enough competition out of them. That's why you see India go there, England go there, South Africa go there, and we're not welcome. They wanted to beat a team and make it unfair to the opponent. And they would have had Pakistan, Zimbabwe, Sri Lanka there all the time. Yeah, they, it's not charity, man. People got want to play right, the best. I mean, you're, and also, you just want good cricket, and you want to test your own uh, cricket team at the same time. I mean, I wish it was a good Sydney or, you know, uh, Melbourne-like pitch where we could really see how good we are. But this was really a high-profile event, and we should have done a way better job and not given the excuse that Ramiz gave. <laughs> so exactly. we'll see what happens tomorrow. Second test, different pitch, and hopefully it's some competition we get to see. You know, I put together some interesting stats for this pitch. You know, we've, we've done a, an overview of all of the venues that games will be played on. And also, I just heard that they might be moving the one days, the three one days to Karachi. So originally, they, they were, were planned Bindi. for Rawalpindi, exactly. And now this this whole pitch thing, I think, is what's causing them to move it. So uh, it's a rumor at this point, but I heard it from um, one credible source, an actual reporter on the ground who just shared that there's talk about moving it moving those three ODIs to Karachi also. Because Karachi is only seeing this one game, this next test that's happening there. There was nothing else scheduled to be played there. You know, the reason for that might be because ICC, when they rank a pitch below average or poor, mm-hmm. you and you repeat that process, I don't know how many uh, tries you get, will be banned for international cricket for one year. So they want to definitely avoid that and move wow, that somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, that's the penalty for having bad pitches. The funny thing is, and this is why I wanted to bring up the stats a little, uh, is that this ground has produced results. There's like a 65% results ratio to no results ratio in Rawalpindi historically. So more matches have ended up in a result than have not. You know, they have had 11 matches total and six, actually eight of them, ended in wins. So it's higher than 60% actually. So uh, side batting first won twice and sides batting second won six times. So it's a total of eight wins out of 11 in Rawalpindi. And the other thing is the last five games played in this ground, four of them ended in a result. In 2000, Pakistan played uh, Sri Lanka. Pakistan lost, but there was a clear win there. Then Pakistan played India in 2004. India won. Then Pakistan played Sri Lanka again in 2019, and it was a draw. In 2020, we played against Bangladesh, and we won. And then in 2021, we played against South Africa. That's our most recent series there that we played, or most recent test there that we played, and we won that one also. So four results out of last five, and then um, Ramiz Raja comes in talking about dropping pitches, and then the pitch that was producing results doesn't even produce a result. (laughs) How? What did you do to a good pitch? What did you do? I think they tried to do some experiment and 
yeah. basically ruined it and like just covered it up. <laughs> I feel bad for Labashin because he was putting all types of plates and steel plates in his backyard. <laughs> yeah, because he already had concrete in the backyard. He just spent money on spare parts for no reason. My man practiced so hard on a different kind of a tough pitch, but got, got the complete opposite. He just had to play on his carpet. He didn't need to do anything. The first night I was watching, of course, it was late night. I couldn't watch the whole thing, but they were talking about how Pakistan would have produced reverse swing by now because it was a kookaburra ball. And after 25 overs, it was completely demolished. The quality was so bad, like you already needed a new ball. Wow. And uh, and Pakistan couldn't reverse swing either because both sides were uh, taking the hit. It, you just couldn't shine the ball anymore. Let's see how they start panning out, and, and hopefully we'll learn a little bit more about them as the days go by. But we do have a second test coming up, and I think that's the last thing you want to hit on today. Uh, what's your prediction? What are you thinking about the second test? I'm thinking bowling is definitely going to be better. Pitch cannot be as bad as <laughs> Rahul Pindi, so we'll see some action, some swing. It's going to be pretty even uh, competition, in my opinion, but I think it's going to be a battle of patience in the batting department. I think Shaheen is going to be awesome in this test, and so will uh, Stark and all the fast-paced bowlers from Australia. So you'll see some wickets, some action, but it's going to really come down to who's a better batsman. So we posted four centuries in the last test. If we can get a couple more, I think we got a competition in our hand. Yeah, I think it'll be more competitive uh, if... You know, the pitch is a pitch we saw in Karachi during the T20s. That pitch um, was helpful. You know, there were big totals in Karachi too, and but there was less help to the Pacers there. Uh, there was more help for the Pacers in the Lahore PSL pitch, uh, but there was more help for the spinners in the Karachi PSL pitch. So I think the pitch suits us if, if again, it's the same and we haven't managed to ruin that one also. But... <laughs> It should help us out more than it should help Australia out. And Karachi has been like a second home for Pakistan and national team for a long time. Most games have been played there. Um, and that cricket ground has capped the most number of games, especially test cricket, um, than any of the other grounds in Pakistan. So our team is very familiar with it. So I think um, Pakistan has an advantage there. The addition of Fahim Ashraf should help. If Hassan Ali's back, I think that should help also. Nasim Shah was not as successful, even though he bowled well. Uh, he just didn't get a lot of wickets. You know, I think he'll probably go back out if Hassan Ali comes back in because Hassan Ali was, I think he was like the test bowler of the year in 2021. That's the award he won. So I see him coming back. He does good with the red ball. And um, I see our bowling unit becoming stronger. Um, spinners, there's not going to be a lot of changes, but I think with Noman Ali's confidence, um, it should go well. Uh, he should perform well over there too, especially with the little bit of help that he's going to be getting from the pitch. All that checks out for me. I do think Australians are going to struggle against the spin there. And um, I feel our batting is going to struggle against Australia's pace there, especially if the wicket is similar to what it was during the PSL uh, matches if Australia does start to get some help there I think we're going to see Pat Cummins coming for us um, the number one bowler test bowler in the world uh, so we're going to see some good quality bowling from that side and it's a true test for our batters so I'm really interested in that competition let's see what happens yeah and it's nothing to be anxious about like we were 
before the first test. Now we know the competition is important. Uh, we want Australia to do well. Otherwise, it's just bland, dry, and not entertaining. So uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. I hope it is what you just described, and we get to see teams struggle a little bit. We want to see how they come out of that as a unit. It's good for them. Uh, and on that note, friends, we're going to go ahead and wrap up our episode for today. Make sure you check out our YouTube channel, follow us on Twitter. And until next time, this is Jay and Rafan signing out. Peace. Peace.